It's Monday the 23rd of September 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Christian Sjöðason, a radio presenter and one of Rúv's team of language and accuracy gurus. Um, you're on your own this week, so um, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> and, and welcome. Thank you. Um, so this week, uh, the OECD has released its biennial report on Iceland, recommending deregulation to spur foreign investment, as well as improvements to green economy stimulation, infrastructure and education. On the subject of education, Reykjavik's schools are apparently underfunded in almost all departments. A report commissioned to identify ways to cut back school spending has discovered. Also on the subject of city spending, uh, waste management company Sorpa is in a bit of a hole and taxpayers are probably going to guarantee its emergency loan funding. The author Ian McEwen has formally become the first recipient of the new Halto Laxness Literary Prize. Bergthor Olason, meanwhile, was controversially re-elected chairman of the Althingi Environment and Transport Committee with just two votes and seven abstentions. Last week saw the world's biggest uh, Me Too conference to date, and that took place here in Reykjavik with the Prime Minister's personal involvement. Ruv is being fined for Hatari's Palestinian flag-waving in the Eurovision Song Contest Green Room this May. And finally, yesterday was car-free day all over Europe, and busy streets closed to traffic and buses were free for all here in Reykjavik. So, where would you like to begin? Um, how about the OECD report? Yes, the dry start. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, it was quite detailed. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you take from that? I assume you've read the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I have not, but I did read the news on it. Mm. Uh, uh, not surprising to see they recommend deregulation. It seems to be the, seems to be the typical way. Um, I thought it was interesting they went on... Uh, as well with the green economy recommendations and education, I didn't I didn't realize they thought too much about education here and literacy and the language here. Mm. I thought that was interesting, naturally as a linguist. But um, then there's just like the question of for me, like what's going to happen with what they recommend, really? Like mm. what actions become of those words? And if like, any. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like, um, like how much, how much authority does OECD recommendation have over uh, government here? Well, authority, uh, probably nothing. Yeah. But expertise and, yeah. and and welcome advice from experts, maybe, um, especially given that the uh, that the finance ministry is in the hands of. Bjarni and the and the Independence Party, they're yeah. more likely to be listening to the, the 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 free market sort of experts at the OECD. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a sort of it's a very like we have these people who are very in favour of like the free market thinking and all that, and yet there's also like the um, the. I feel like it's a very strong tendency to be very like skeptical on like things like foreign investment. We see it with like um what's the British millionaire who keeps buying rivers here and oh, and land? Jim Jim Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of people who are very skeptical to say the least about that, whether that should even be allowed. Uh if I remember correctly, the law here is pretty like 
it's pretty limited what foreigners can actually do here. Mm. So I guess like they could actually uh, relax that probably just a bit and still be quite restrictive. And of course, it's not just about land, is it? I mean, no. <clears throat> when, when people say the traditional answer, when people say why haven't why hasn't Iceland got things like Aldi and why the, why is there no Santander bank on the on the main street and this sort of thing? Yeah, like in all other European countries, basically, the answer has traditionally been well, it's a small a small economy. Maybe they don't bother. Yeah, but the OECD seems to be insinuating that it's because of the regulation and they, it's too difficult for them. I mean, it could be both. It could be both. Like, it's it's well known that McDonald's left here, citing the small market and all that. Mm. Uh, what was it? Was it Dunkin' Donuts that left here also? Mm. Not too good. But then the donuts one, I don't know about McDonald's, but the donuts one, that was an Icelandic company that was paying True. a lot of money to use the Dunkin' Donuts name. True. And we have a lot of that here. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, um, like Next and, and Debenhams, I think there's still Debenhams in Smarterland. I think so, yeah. And th- a lot of these big international brands, they're actually Icelandic companies that are just franchising the name. Right. I don't know what H&M is like. No, I don't know, I'll admit. But it is finally in Iceland. It is, that was... It doesn't seem to have changed the fact that it's Icelanders' favorite hobby when going abroad to go to H&M. Mm. Well, it might change the habit of a lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think their concentration on education was interesting, like you say, as well. Um, obviously, they're talking economy. Mm-hmm. So Icelandic literature and, and, and skills in the language is obviously good for uh, tomorrow's business leaders. It's probably the way they're thinking. And maybe the country isn't doing enough with that at the moment. Yeah, it seems to be like uh, we don't come, we don't see very great results out of the PISA um, exams. I don't know what to call them. Uh, so there seems to be like we could probably fund that, for example, better fund schools in general. And and we see that in one of the stories this week about Reykjavik schools being underfunded in almost every way. So. I feel like these these two things, like they're definitely related, um, and there's there's like every now and then there's talk that like teachers are are experiencing a lot of stress. They're overworked, underpaid, and uh, I can't help but feel like that uh, uh, less stressed teachers and like if the teachers are doing better, if they're happier and less stressed at their jobs. They get Seems better like results. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, but then there's a thing with the PISA. I remember a few years ago when this came up, uh, and my brother took it. He was in the ninth grade. Uh, this is obviously anecdotal, but he told me that uh, because there's like uh, like the PISA thing has no bearing on like their applications for school after the tenth grade. And he said, and I quote, everyone tanked it at his school. Nobody cared. Uh, like, I, I don't know if this is the thing in general, but I feel like what we have not done is ask the kids about the PISA exams. What do they think? Mm. How do they feel? We keep talking about, like, obviously it's important to talk to the teachers. Very important, but also the children themselves. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how it's done in different countries as well. Because yeah. PISA is... Uh, pan-European or global? I can't... It's European, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And 
But certainly when I was at school, we didn't do these exams. No. So I'm wondering if in, in other countries like the UK, they use results that you do anyway instead of giving you a special exam about it. Yeah, yeah, I wonder, yeah. Because that would, that would definitely change the results, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you're being judged on, uh, on, on exams that do seem to matter. Yeah, yeah, that you take seriously. Yeah. Whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah. Um, anything else? The green economy um, part of it as well. They're talking about removing, uh, changing the emphasis of subsidies to food production away from pure quantity and towards environmental sustainability. Yeah. Uh, I remember... I remember the Minister for Agriculture and Fisheries being very vague on this when he was asked about it on Ruv News. Mm. Uh, he yeah, he seemed to be like like answering the question without answering the question. He said he had I don't remember what exactly he said, something like he didn't have a preference or he didn't he wasn't sure it was up to someone else or somebody else or something. And uh, like it's a very touchy subject like farming in Iceland. Mm. Uh subsidies people seem to be either very against them or very for them and um, the minister is from the north i believe and so it's a sensitive subject he's not going to publicly say i think to his constituents like we're going to like you're going to have to pay a lot more money because of the emissions uh, you have Mm. so is he also a progressive party he is the independence party oh is he yeah Mm -hmm. okay because that makes a difference too there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did say quite categorically, though, that whether they do some tweaking here and there to make it uh, emphasis change, that the total tax burden on, on farmers and food producers must not be allowed to go up. So Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to increase anything, or at least he doesn't want to say that right now. Mm, so, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And then this is like one of the... There's a lot of like green economy, green thinking and climate change talk these days and what I keep thinking is like, yes, we have all these words, what's going to what's going to actually happen? And it, ma- it makes you think. Mm. <clears throat> Just a, a question of opinion. What do you think? If the food market in Iceland was completely liberalised mm. with uh, import taxes brought down to minimal levels and, and subsidies ended. Mm. Would that be the end of Icelandic farming? No, not exactly. But I think it would probably turn more towards like factory farming than it is right now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Like a race to the lowest cost sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like, mm. like I come from a farming background. Actually, my parents were farmers before they gave up because it paid too little, actually, <laughs> incidentally. And... Uh, like those people would definitely go out of business, quote unquote. Uh, but uh, the things you see, like in the chicken farming and pig farming, nicely that would probably increase, like the factory kind of thing, where you like. I'm not great with economic theory, but you know when you limit the, you know your cost and maximize the profit and all that. I feel like that model would probably go on. Even if they, I'm not sure they would actually. I would do that just because of the climate aspect. I feel like there's a growing like demand for local food, not because Icelandic food is necessarily better than other food, just because all the emissions, like we import all so many things, like most things we import, and that's carbon. Mm. 
Yes, here we go. Um, anything else, or should we move on to something else? Uh, why don't we move on? Okay, what to? There's the um, the Literature Award. There's the Althinki Committee. Yeah, the committee. That was interesting. It seemed to be uh, yet another um, yet another reaction to the cloister scandal. Yet another reaction to the cloister scandal, which has changed nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, this time last week, that committee was in crisis. They weren't sure who was going to be elected. Someone, uh, someone recommended Kart uh, Goethe mm-hmm. instead, um, and then it all sort of fell apart. And they all went and talked among their parties, and then came back and elected him anyway, or, or at least yeah. didn't say no. <laughs> elected in quotation marks. What was it? Seven, seven committee members abstained. Yeah, yeah. and two voted in favour. That was both of the members for Mithlokurin, including Bergthor himself. Yeah. So it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, but the outcome is the same, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The opposition says, rightly, I guess, that this was an agreement, like, long ago, that Midflokkurin would take take over or would have uh, the chairman of this committee. Um, pirates do actually have... Um, a similar problem, I guess, technically, in that Thorildur, who is head of another committee, also broke the ethical rules. Uh, it was very interesting that the opposition would actually nominate Karlgaudi, because I looked this up last night, and he was also at Klosterbar. So he was. If yeah. people are opposed to Bergthor, then Karlgaudi is not that much better. Like, maybe he didn't say as outrageous things, but he was also there and he was participating, so... Mm. I mean, in terms of the internal workings of Parliament, he wasn't found guilty to have broken ethics rules. True. But yes, he was one of the six MPs. Yeah, I, it's all it's all very, like, it seems like there's like a clear divide. There seems to be a lot of midflocker and against everyone else. And, like, people seem to have, like, somewhat forgotten about the scandal by now, but not quite... Mm. Um, and like it, it does make you think about the whole energy package thing. Like, would they have made as big a deal out of that if they hadn't needed a distraction? It's a theory, at least. I mean, they've boosted their support through that, haven't they? Yeah, There's yeah. No two ways about it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, why did seven members abstain? Why did no one vote against? <laughs> It seems like, at least for the opposition, that they were respecting the agreement they had. And I guess the majority didn't want to interfere or something. I, I, I wonder. Like, yeah. Mm. It's like technically not taking a stance, but obviously taking a stance in some way. Yeah. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. Not sure. I mean, it's written in the record now, so people, yeah. history will say that that happened. Yeah. But yes, I mean, if he was not elected then no one would have been and then the committee couldn't couldn't run and that's a problem because yeah, it's yeah. an important committee so yeah. i suppose yeah i guess also the minority did not want to lose their chairmanship of a committee i suppose that's a thing for them mm. or their agreement with the majority to have what the chairman in three committees i believe yeah yeah well good luck to them all i suppose
I know that that, that committee, that particular committee, has been kind of fractious, should we say, um, for quite a long time. Yeah, so yeah. Wonder if they'll still be getting along. There was also the hubbub about the announcement of what was it, the minister's report on transport in the capital area. The, they they had like these two. There were these two situations. There was this one in the committee itself, and then the thing in the chamber of parliament, I guess you call it, where they had to reschedule because there was a for some reason they were going to the minister was going to introduce the report to MPs while I'll think it was in session. Yeah, that's weird, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> was yeah. it just an oversight? I mean, I'm really not sure. Like, mm. uh, there's been all, all all sorts of delays with announcing this report or like introducing it to MPs and the public. And uh, yeah, maybe that just means they're working extra hard to make it brilliant. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it should be good because it's yeah. a very important thing. It is, and and it's never been more in the spotlight now. Maybe we should talk about the Car Free Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, try, Pan European Car Free Day yesterday, and. Um, I think it's fair to say hundreds, at least several, you know, one or two hundred people were in this march. Yeah. Um, down Miklabreit, which closed off all the traffic, and it's a, yeah, it's a positive thing. Yeah, I was actually surprised they were allowed to do that. Uh, yeah. Reykjavik is such a car city that I imagine there were a lot of people very angry that Miklabreit <laughs> was partially closed yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it was free to get on the bus for anyone that wanted to as well, all day. True. Which is a thing that isn't... Um, when there's no no fare on the bus where you don't have to pay, it doesn't seem to be always advertised very well. Like, for example, in the Strato app, there was nothing about it. Mm. I, I, have you got your push notifications turned off? I, I got one. Ah, okay. It's, that's, that two, must be actually. it, yeah. But my complaint is actually also with the homepage because whenever that's it, if it is on the homepage, it seems to be buried. Like you have to search for like click news somewhere. It's never like really, it's never obvious, which it should be to me, you know, mm. if you're having free bus rides. On their homepage as well, they've got a separate sections for news and announcements, and I'm never sure which yeah, is which. Yeah, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> So is this a very positive mouthpiece and, and a, a sort of a publicity tool or is it a bit of a waste of time and we should be focusing on other ways of getting people out of their cars? What do you think? I I think it does make people think about it. I think it's important to um, remind people to be for this thing to be visible because uh, Reykjavik has a lot of pollution and a lot of traffic in rush hour, and like when when it's at its worst, when there's no wind and it's dry, like people with um, respiratory diseases can't go out in the city really. So I, it's it's like um, it's like a healthcare issue actually. Yeah. If, if I'm being honest, in my opinion at least. So I think it's vital that we that we curb this development of ever-growing pollution and car traffic. You know. mm. And it's kind of a sign of how important the issue is that we send, we tend to be talking about it on this show most weeks in some shape or other. Yeah. Um, I think last week it was about 
the cycle, the bike share scheme, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it often comes back to the same thing that maybe the bus service could be better. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people feel like that. Um, I mean, I use it to get to work every day, and it's, it's me too. Fine, yeah. I, it, it is fine. Yeah, I've, but if you're going from here to there, and you've got to take three different buses, then it can take all day. Yeah, yeah. That's the. And that's maybe that's a question of like how much is that the uh, bus company's fault and how much is it just the city planning, how the city is built. Mm. I mean, we've got nice big roads, and if it's not the middle of rush hour, you can get from one point to the other. You know, most places in the city you can get in twenty minutes if you're yeah. driving. Yeah, exactly. And so that that that's attractive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two ways about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had cars. I had the car for years. Like, it was, that was the. It's very quick, especially like you say when it's not rush hour. Mm. Yeah. Right there we go. Um, we're rocketing through the time today. What should we go to next? Uh, shall we mention the Me Too conference? Yeah, very important. Um, big international headlines on that as well. I've got a front page of the Guardian, front page of the CNN website. Um, that was actually uh, an opinion piece written by Katarina Jakobsdottir, the yeah, Prime yeah. Minister. Uh, yeah, great thing. The biggest conference on this uh, to date. It lasted three days, and it aimed to answer the question: where the where did the movement come from? Where is it now? And what's next? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw on the news there was an interview with Inka Björk Bjarnadóttir, a uh, disability activist, and. Uh, she made it very clear what's next for the movement, which is to actually listen to disabled women. Um, and uh, she was t- talking about how the community she's in, uh, they're telling their stories, but nobody seems to be listening. So, like the conference, it seemed to be a very positive atmosphere and all that, and a lot of things, a lot of great things have come from this, but there's still clearly more work to be done. <clears throat> and it's like um, it's like you know how men equipment does something they forget about the women sometimes white women do this great thing which is positive for them but uh, minorities like with less shall we say privilege tend to get left behind I feel like it's an example of that mm. and she's uh, Inka Björk says that uh <clears throat> Yeah, nobody's listening. They keep talking, but nobody's listening. Yeah, that's an interesting point, isn't it? That each... The the the, the highest rung yeah. of the oppressed group, if they get a hand up, then do they forget the next highest rung, if that makes sense? It seems to happen way too much, at least. Yeah. Because we, unfortunately, do seem to have this like ladder of privilege. Um. Yep. Um, quite a few... Very well-known, well-respected participants. It was obviously the Prime Minister herself opened the conference. Um, We had the the Equalities and Education Minister from Sweden there. Uh, No, Norway, sorry. Who had to go home. home, Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do a show on Norwegian politics one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we can say they keep coming here, but keep having to go home early. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the Norwegian Prime Minister had the same problem, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one more thing? 
Right. Um, we could mention Sorpa. Yes. This is another a... big thing that, I mean, the education is one thing, city spending. This is another one, and it affects all of us. We all create waste and, and need it sorting out. Yeah. And the idea of this new gas and composting facility that they're going to be opening, hopefully in February, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is great. It's wonderful. But it's woo, 1.3 billion kroner. No, 719 million over budget. Um, and that's quite a lot of money. Yeah, and then there seems to be a Sorpa financial hole, uh, which totals, what was it, 1.3 billion. That's something. right, yeah. yeah. And uh, I watched the manager and the head of the board in Kastlius on Thursday, and they didn't really seem to have any answers for why this happened. Like the managers just said, managers just said, um, yeah, this was discovered in in June, and we, yeah, they didn't seem to have been over it very thoroughly or something, and and they didn't, he didn't seem to be able to explain. Why? Well, he partially did explain that they budgeted for it before it's actually designed. So he said there's more concrete and steel and whatnot mm. than they had assumed, which seemed, seems like a flawed approach in a way, to budget before you know. B- well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, in a way, I kind of see that an overrun of budget on that, innovative new plant mm-hmm. that we've never seen the likes of in this country before. Kind of understandable. Yeah. Uh, the 637... That Yeah, 637 million. The 719 million on top of that is less understandable. Yeah. There was some major new technology upgrade that got forgotten about. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's weird. It, it seems like uh, it's either like quite gross incompetence or like a series of very weird coincidences and forgetfulness like yeah he also said like part of it was they was about like they forgot to move something from the financial year 2018 to 2019 and well then there's actually there's like a potentially there's potentially like 230 million more that they'd have to pay if that contracting firm wins their case against them because they complained that the I think it was Iavaf who complained that the contracting firm that got the job was allowed to like adapt its thing after they got like they they were saying foul play basically and and uh, I don't know if it's going to court or what but they were they want I believe two hundred something million mm. from Sorpa. So do you think this whole situation is a symptom of? public sector inefficiency or that it would just happen in private companies anyway we just wouldn't hear about it I think we don't hear about it in the private sector yeah I mean it seems to be an Icelandic problem in general like most things seem to (laughs) go over budget OECD actually worried about the hospital new hospital going over budget as well of course it will (laughs) (laughs) we can just assume that it will so I mean, that's a huge project as well. Yeah, yeah, which is a prime candidate for going over budget. Wasn't it something like in the last decade, every single city of Reykjavik big public project has gone over budget, without exception? I mean, I it might be making It wouldn't that up. surprise me. 
But I think I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, and then uh, it's more than just that. Like Valhaidar going the tunnel that went actually it dragged on years after it was supposed to be completed and way more money and mm. they kept hitting hitting uh, geothermal areas and filled the tunnel with water and all that. So I mean that was a bit extreme, wasn't it? Yeah, it's still got a hot river flowing out the side of it. <laughs> I think. Yeah, actually, Straight and if field. you drive through the tunnel, it's very hot. Like the thermometer in the car goes to like twenty-five degrees Celsius or something. <gasps> I didn't know. I I have yeah. driven through it. I did not notice that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can believe you. That'd be the place to go on a cold winter's day then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, painful though it is to admit, the clock has got the better of us, and we are out of time yet again. The week in Iceland, meanwhile, will return to roof.as forward slash English, to Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast, including on Spotify, next Monday, the 30th of September. My sincere thanks to Christian Sigurdsson, and thanks too to Lydia Gretestotir for running the studio. Remember, you can still register for the week in Iceland at the library um, at the beginning of October by visiting the English language website of Reykjavik City Library, or by looking at the events on the Roof English Facebook page. We end the show on the number one song from the Raus Tour chart and for the second week in a row, that is Stories to Tell by Krumi. Bye for now. Wild king refused the sacred crown Chains lay, gather the ancient stones Reverse the spell You got stories to tell Some say we would die alone But today I'm alive and well Just be yourself You will live to tell
Thank you.